0: Welcome back to the keystone kickoff show brought to you by new trail brewing company new trail beers are brewed right here in central pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week when you're in happy valley be sure to find new trail at wr hickey and other craft beer retailers welcome to the keystone kickoff show
1: i am jim galanti along with thomas frank carr T. Frank, before we get started, I would just like to make sure I introduce to everyone our newest sponsor. That is New Trail Brewing Company. Brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. Your biggest dilemma is which of their many options to select. I recommend the Hoppy Variety Pack, New Trails Hoppy Pack. It's an absolute crowd-pleaser, packed with four different Hoppy beers. It's sure to please everyone at the tailgate or campfire. I mentioned this earlier in the week. My good buddy Don over at New Trail, he provided me with some product for my get-together over the weekend. Isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) It's great to have a guy. I now have Don <laughs> as my as my guy at New Trail. Tell you what, the the, the beer I liked, there was a late, it was called Lazy River Pills. It was one of those nice refreshing beers, perfect for, you know, this was a party outdoor, sunny day. Just it was fantastic. Some folks in the crowd, they really liked the sunrise Baltic style porter. It has both coffee and vanilla brewed into it. Some of the crowd really just became addicted to that. So I'm sure I'll be calling on Don for more of that to please some of my family. All right, T. Frank, you ready to talk Penn State football?
2: Uh, yes, let's do that.
1: Let's do it. I'll tell you what. we are, This is how close we are. This week we're doing our season preview with everyone. This is where I'm just going to be firing questions at you, T. Frank. Yeah, You don't know what's coming. But again, we're counting on your expertise to give us all the answers. All right.
2: Uh, sounds good. I, I did. I heard the show on Monday and, uh, you know, we'll get to it in quarter four. But uh, I have to say of the show of the shows that we've done, I'm looking forward to this one the least. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you don't like going into things unprepared. Is that what you're
2: telling me? I don't know anything about what Michigan is going to look like in week six. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, I, I try to base everything I, I talk about off of like things that I've seen and I know. And there's more that I don't know than I do. So we'll go into full, we'll go into full speculative hot take mode there at the end.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, T. Frank, if you can't go on a radio show or podcast and talk about things you don't know, where can you do that?
2: it would seem that that's the case huh all right
1: right. let's let's try to start with things that you do now let's let's start with this second year offensive coordinator Mike Yursich two-part question does it make a difference that uh Sean Clifford's gonna have the same offensive coordinator finally for two years in a row and what changes do you think Mike Yursich is gonna make now that he's second year in a program, second year with Sean
2: Clifford? So the answer is yes, maybe. Yes, maybe it will make a difference. So it does make a difference. And I talked to Sean Clifford about this. I've been asking these guys this question all off season about what, what is the, you know, they talk about the comfort and, and understanding and all those things when it comes to the playbook and, and the offense in year two. But functionally, what does that mean? And last week, Sean Clifford – Explain it like this You have your base plays that you put in every year in spring. And those are the plays that are the foundation of your personality as an offense for the most part. You know, like some stuff probably doesn't make it all the way through. Some stuff is added when you find out more about the talent of the team. But that's the core of what you do as a football team. And then from there, you build off those plays with your augmentations, your trick plays. Everything is built off your base plays. Well, if you remember what we said last year, Jim. Their, play, their base their base plays didn't work. Like the the offensive run game, which is the core of a lot of offensive philosophies, it didn't work. So nobody paid attention to it. Nobody respected that, that particular part of the offense. And if that doesn't work, the conversation you and I had about, or, or fans would ask me, what happened to all the innovation? What happened to all the trick plays from Mike Yersich? It's like, well, they were throwing anything at the wall to see if it would stick because their, their offensive identity was they were wandering the desert for 40 years, from what I could tell. So this year, having a better understanding of the offense, the base plays, and by the way, another huge part of this is the talent will be better up front. All of that said, your offensive base plays, and I, and I wrote about this at Blue White Illustrated, kind of in-depth from each perspective of the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, and the head coach, kind of building from how do I run this play to how do I design a scheme around that to how do we make the personality of this team kind of going bigger and bigger picture throughout the whole thing. And it all aligns this year because they should they should be able to do more. They should, And, and when you talk about Mike Yersich and what that'll do, is it'll allow him to use both hands when steering the car i imagine that's that's my prediction about this team is he'll have more plays to choose from he'll have more of the base of his offense that he wants to use to incorporate into the offensive scheme so all of that said then it's on clifford to be better in those situations when everything's better and that's the part we still he is what he is but if he's if he is what he is in a better situation he should be better
1: well that t well first of all uh, let me give a quote that uh, Sean Clifford gave, where I'll paraphrase it at the Big Ten media days that he attended. He said, "The difference was this year. Last year we were learning the offense. This year we're mastering it." Yeah, I hope that's that's a good indicator. Uh, my next question, just to segue to Sean Clifford, are you optimistic or pessimistic about Sean Clifford going into the season? It seems like you have to be one or the other.
2: I don't know, man. I I just, I don't know what to expect because I've seen him play well. I've seen him do a lot of things, but predictably, if he gets into certain situations, he responds the same every time. So what, what? not to be philosophical about this, but what defines him playing well? Is he going to suddenly be a different player? No, Uh, no, just no. He's, He's in his sixth year of doing this. So he's not going to be any different, I don't think, as a football player. Last year, could he have taken that step and become the, the cool, calm, under-pressure, collected sort of guy? Maybe not because of the offense, but I just don't see it happening at this point in his career. So, like I've talked about all offseason, can you put him in better situations where he has help from the running game, he's in second and two and not third and seven? I think they'll have more of those opportunities so he'll be perceived better. I think he'll the perception of him will be better. But if you don't like Sean Clifford, he is still gonna make a mistake on third and eight when he has to make he has to deliver the ball downfield. He's still gonna do that at some point this year. There's still gonna be a critical moment where I don't think he rises to the occasion and becomes a transcendently good quarterback. But he'll win games. Like they will win games with him as the quarterback. And I I think when it's the – I
1: look at it as there's the good Sean Clifford and the evil Sean Clifford. The good one we saw against Auburn last year, what was he, 28 for 32,
2: 280 yards? Because they didn't blitz him. I still don't – I was watching Auburn today for this show, and I'm like, I can't believe that they ran out there and did not blitz Sean Clifford, like, once. Once! And that's that's what – yeah.
1: This season down there, we may see that. Uh, let me ask, let's go to the other side of the ball, but sticking with the coordinators, what differences are we going to see in this defense now that we have Manny Diaz as the defensive coordinator?
2: Uh, You'll see more aggressiveness. There's a rabidness to the way he attacks the football, just unrelenting. Um, But. At the same time, I don't expect it to work out every single time because that's the nature of being aggressive is sometimes another thing I've just been saying all season is if you blitz a lot and you put your secondary, even if you've got it in a a safe shell, a safe zone coverage shell, if there's four people in the pass pattern and you've got five defensive backs out there, that's basically one on one. Like you're one on one at that point. So guys are going to get beat, but guys might make a lot of plays the defensive ends are going to be very important. Getting quality pressure on a regular basis is the key to making this defense work. Manny Diaz can do that sometimes by great blitzes, by overloads, by pressures, by getting free runners at the quarterback. Good coordinators can do that. But every good coordinator, like every, you know, like on offense, you need a quarterback to just make a play for you every once in a while. So you don't have to go a beautiful mind every single play and blow everyone out of the water with your scheme because that just doesn't work all the time. So the defensive ends to me are very important because it's going to put pressure on the secondary if they are not. So that's what I expect from Manny Diaz. And then the question is, do those three young defensive ends, and I'm throwing a decent Isaac in there because he's got 300 career snaps. Do those three young defensive ends rise to the occasion early enough in the season so that Penn State starts out with a winning record?
1: My next question is, will the young defensive ends (laughs) show well in the right from the start so that they do get pressure on the quarterbacks? What do you think?
2: I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Okay. So here's my best guess about, I don't know though. And this is just the looks like game from being a practice and getting to see them. Adisa Isaac has unbelievable quickness and athleticism Uh, just explosive in every way. His feet, When he moves are like a little jaw dropping when I saw him in person. Um, But we knew that about him. The question is, does he play with strength? Can he play through contact? Is he going to be strong enough to bend the edge and get pressure on the quarterback? I'm going to give that a soft yes. You know, like I just I'm going to give that a soft yes for the optimism. It's unfounded, but it's it's for that. But to me, early in the season, especially against Purdue, it might be him because, uh, you know, the opposite of what I saw from that would be what I saw from Chop Robinson of just there's a little bit. He's pretty raw. He's more raw than I expected coming and watching him get after the quarterback. Now, that that being said, he might be just be better in games where he just is reacting rather than thinking about the technique he's trying to perform in a drill or with coaching. And then finally, deny is a wild card. Deny Dennis Sutton. I think he's going to pretty quickly make an impact. But is it week one? that is still up in the air. I, I I don't want to say yes immediately to that. So to me, if I'm just being reasonable, it's going to be mostly on Adisa Isaac week one, and then we'll see how it progresses in the first month.
1: How much, and I'm going off, getting away from my script here a little bit, T. Frank, but it just leads to the question, besides the injury that Adisa Isaac is coming off, what about just the fact that he hasn't been on the field for, you know, he missed the entire season last year, so it's been two years on the field. Will
2: we see rust there? I uh, That's always up to the individual, right? That's always up to the person who is is doing that. I'd say no because he's gone through a full training camp. Guys that are rusty to me are guys that have to come in cold, that haven't had contact, that haven't been able to, you know, bang up against anybody. This has been a very physical training camp, according to Penn State, where they've had, they have depth at every position, so they can afford to risk it a little more with injury. And I think that's allowed them to— do some of those things to knock that rest off
1: okay that is it for quarter number one stick around quarter number two i got a whole lot of more questions for t frank stay tuned For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you
0: love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T E K results.com or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim
1: Galanti. I'm with Thomas Frank Carr. T Frank, today we've been doing our season preview, which just means I'm firing questions at you randomly left and right. You have no idea what I'm gonna ask you. So, you ready to go
2: back at it? Feels like feels like karate, like we're sparring, and I have to deflect and blow and counter attack. Yes, yes, we're. Right, I'm, just... I'm enjoying it thoroughly.
1: <laughs> All right, let's start with this. Which player? Do you think is the key on the defensive side of the ball? And which player do you think is the key on the offensive side of the ball? Not just who's the best player, but which guy is that variable who you think will make either side of the ball work?
2: So we talked about him in quarter one for the defense. It's Adisa Isaac. Now, ultimately, he might not be the key because of what we talked about, but he has to be the key for the first month, I think. That is going to be critical is that he is – some facsimile of Arnold Ebikiti. I I just can't see him being Ebikiti because we haven't ever seen that level from him. Even when he was on the field, he flashed. He was good. Like he got pressure, but he was coming in in certain situations, special packages. He had some pretty talented players across the ball from him. So he was. He's the guy this year. And can he be the guy? So I think defensively, that's the case. And the reason it's not Joey Porter Jr is because the secondary is more about the whole. It's about does your slot corner and your safety and your boundary corner and your field corner, they all work together and not make mistakes. Because Joey Borda Jr. can shut his guy down, right? He can never give up a catch. Penn State could lose 37 to 14. Um, Adisa Isaac is in the same situation where he could get immediate pressure all the time, and if the secondary is bad, it doesn't really matter. But that's less likely to happen. We believe and we have more evidence that this secondary is good. So the key here is the pass rush. It's about finding somebody. because, And this is the reason I'm hammering this home is last year, if you watch Manny Diaz's defense, they did not have a pass rush, and it was leaky. Like, they gave up a lot of points. So that's a that's a big thing for me is, uh, is that going to happen? Or is it going to be more like his previous teams where he had a really strong front four, and he could blitz, he could do all those crazy things he likes to do, but within reason you know, within reason, so he's not blitzing all the time. He's not becoming overly aggressive to get the thing he needs for his defense. So that's to me why Adisa Isaac on the offensive side of the ball is so important. Uh on the I'm sorry, on the defensive side. On the offensive side, I'm just gonna not say Sean Clifford, but it is Sean Clifford. So I, I it's hard to get past Nick Singleton because we saw what the offense was without explosive elements last year. And I know that Catron Allen has that in him as well. Like we've seen more from him in an explosive sense during training camp than we did previously. But it's about it's about balance in this team. It's about a complete game. Singleton can be that Journey Brown from 2019. So he's got to be, you know, eventually. Whenever that is, whenever that hits, it, it feels more and more like week one. So I hate to put all that on a true freshman, but it's the missing ingredient. It It really is. Well... Because you answered that
1: way, I'm going to change up my next question a little bit, which is, among the new players, and this could be freshmen, this could be transfer portal players, who are you most excited to see outside of Nick Singleton?
2: Of the new players. Of the new players. Mm. So many of them. (laughs) So many of them. But I'm going to go with Mitchell Tinsley because I really liked what I saw at Western Kentucky. I think he can be a dynamic, complete receiver. Now, James Franklin's comments about him getting a little more explosive, being a little faster, jumping a little higher, all those things that he said in the spring, and then saying he got there, I think that's important. I don't know that he's going to be the number one guy, and there's probably other, you know, other guys we've talked about probably – have a higher rating as far as fans want to see but under an underrated part of this is we are counting on Mitchell Tinsley when we're looking at the offense of okay that's a solid piece that's going to work how good is it and can it be transformative can he be a guy that can take the ball and go 70 after catching it 10 cuz again that makes that makes the life easier on the quarterback exponentially. If you got guys like that in the offense, Parker Washington is a great receiver. He's, he's a possession guy. He can break some tackles, but we have no evidence that he can break a tackle and go 85 yards, you know? So that that's kind of, is there that element in this offense and Mitchell Tinsley to me is the guy I want to see. So I uh, I'd say that would be who I'd go with.
1: I know a lot of folks are asking the question, who's the one and who's the two with the wide receivers it seems like the last several years at Penn State, we've had a clear number one. Uh, do we really need a clear number one? Or could it be 1A and 1B between Tinsley and Parker Washington, say? Uh,
2: I think you still—well, if you have a 1A and 1B, that means you've got two guys that are playing at that level. Then, yeah, you're spoiled, I would say. Um, you still need a guy that to rely on to make plays. And I hate saying that because it's so generic. But at the same time, there is something about, I I have to throw the football here, and I'm going to throw it to him. And Jahan Dotson always did that, right? Jahan Dotson was the guy, where if you threw him the ball, he was going to catch it. Um, and, and and I think that there is an element of that that you need, but you do not need, and I think it's bad to have a, one guy dominate all the targets, because the best offenses, and I, we said, said this about Aiden O'Connell at Purdue, is he doesn't care... Who the receiver is, if the, the read takes him to a target, he's throwing that person the football and they're going to catch it. That's that's his belief. That is how he operates as a quarterback. And that means you're threatening every part of the field. You're not the backside slant is still in play. You've got to cover the entire field. If you've got a quarterback that doesn't play favorites or doesn't lock onto one target. So I think there's a balance there. You need a guy that is your reliable, you know, clutch player, but you should have everyone involved. Everyone's a target. Nobody's dominating the football.
1: Let's talk about the tight ends. A year ago, they were bragging the coaching staff about having one of the best tight end rooms in the country. All three of the guys who saw time last year at tight end have returned. So I assume, again, they think they're one of the best tight end rooms in the country. They you doubled down
2: gonna... on that this spring and this summer. Yes.
1: Are we going to see more of them than we did last year?
2: If you talk to James Franklin, yes. Uh, he he <laughs> continues to beat the drum about it. two tight ends on the field makes you very dangerous from a run and pass perspective. Uh, and, and when I asked him, going back to the article I wrote about installing the offense and the identity of your team is maybe you want to be a spread team and you want to have four wide receivers and go 10 personnel. But you've got a lot of good tight ends. And I don't know why that came up in his brain whatsoever. (laughs) So like you got to run some two tight end sets and you got to find a way to fold that personnel, that talent into your system and your scheme and, and give yourself a new identity and evolve with your talent. So yes, we are going to see two tight ends a lot. How they perform. I still don't know because I, I see the talent for each of them. And I see every single pothole that's kept them from realizing that talent. Somebody has to be, again, somebody has to be the guy here. I thought you could have three and each could contribute, but that requires each of them to fully take advantage of every play. And that's very hard.
1: All right, I'm going to put you on the spot of the three. Who should we be seeing more of? Who do you think will step up or is capable at least of stepping up,
2: T. Frank? So everyone's favorite is Theo Johnson for all of the obvious reasons of size, speed, frame, those things. And I I get it, but I just haven't seen it yet. And this is the unfortunate thing of seeing more of him and seeing where some of those plot holes are, right? Tyler Warren, every time he's on the field, is producing. He's the guy that I'm talking about of that's the template for how all three of these guys play together and contribute is every time you're throwing the football, you catch it and make a good play. Last season, that was his profile, but we saw like nine targets. So it's not like it was exceptional over an extended period of time. A little bit like Christian Veyer, I think we still don't really know everything about Tyler Warren. We still have to find where the weak points are, but I'm having a hard time finding any of them. He's big, he's strong. The only thing he doesn't have that Theo Johnson has as far as physical skills is his arms aren't as long. Like he doesn't have the same reach, but. Oh, well, he still goes up and gets contested <laughs> catches.
1: You know, Tyler Warren has become my favorite of the three also. And I'd, I'd like to find out more about him. I'd like to yeah. find out if he could handle that load. It'd be nice to see that. All right, T. Frank, what is your biggest concern for
2: this team? Uh, Youth. So there's a lot of young players that have to play well. And there's a lot of young players that are in critical roles. So there's a lot of there's a lot of room for mental error and how you still play and how you get that high upside from those players with mitigating the early mistakes, I think is going to navigate how well this team does throughout the season. So other than kind of a systematic failure on defense, where if they don't get that pass rush and it's a real problem, let's say two of the three defensive ends are not playing well and you've got one guy or we find out one guy is not as good as we expected and the other two are kind of rounding into form I can see a problem on defense uh but really that comes also down to youth because one of those guys is denied Dennis Sutton is Abdul Carter going to be a part of you know kind of a blitz specialist on the field for certain packages I'm not saying he's a defensive end because I hate that narrative about him just because he's so big. He's a he is a he is a linebacker in in the positional sense. He's very good at the position. Um then you got Kalen King who's a sophomore. Like he's going to be into a full-time starting role with Johnny Dixon there. On the offensive side, you got a lot of young players on the offensive line, running back. Like there are key positions that they need to get up to speed quickly, especially on defense. So that is my biggest concern.
1: Speaking of youth being served at critical positions, middle linebacker has been the one position where they've openly come out and said it's a competition. Apparently yeah. Tyler Tyler Elson now has the a leg up on uh, Kobe King. How important is it that we keep hearing, oh, he's the quarterback of the defense, has to call signals, do all of those things. So how important is that? handing that over to a young player. And with that said, I think Ellis Brooks was one of the underappreciated players from last year.
2: Yeah. uh, So I think the good news is I'm fairly confident Tyler Elson's is going to be able to do it. You know, everything I've seen from him on film uh, all the way back to high school, he is a decisive, aggressive, intelligent linebacker who is what he is. You know, I think there's some stiffness. I don't know if he turns really well, but he runs well. Like, he is not a slow Mike linebacker. I think he bursts downhill. So the intelligence part is there. The dependability in the run game is there. It's just, you know, kind of the upside of, is he going to be able to become a complete middle linebacker? So I'm actually fairly confident about that guy in this system and his responsibilities. Kobe King? You know, and I'm I'm excited to learn more about him and, and see what he can do. Again, he's a little more like Ellis Brooks, a little more fluid, moves really well. We'll see as a retro freshman how he r- rounds into that role.
1: That is it for quarter number two. Stick around quarter number three. T. Frank will take your questions. Stay tuned for that. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. With four different hoppy beers, the Hoppy Variety Pack is put together to easily please your whole crew. For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third party software suites. Our clients include doctors' offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T E K Results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone
1: Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante in with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number three. That means it's time to Ask T. Frank. This is where we have T. Frank answer your Penn State football recruiting questions. And if you want to submit a question, download our app, Keystone Sports, and you'll see the Ask T. Frank button there. Or you can always email us at info at ksnsports.net. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick a winner for the best question, and they're going to receive a copy of the great book, Why Penn State by Greg Woodman. All right, T. Frank, ready for your questions? Let's do it.
2: I'm excited.
1: You seem more excited about the listener questions than my questions. (laughs) Why is that?
2: I'm uh, pandering to the customer. I thought we weren't supposed to talk about the off-air stuff on air. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Let let's start your pandering. I mean answering of questions. Let's start with Paul in Westchester who says, What are you looking for from Sean Clifford to show that he has improved over last season?
2: This is a good this is a good question. This is a good way to frame this question. Um so let me go outside of the typical answers I've been giving. And I will say to make less obvious mental mistakes. You know, I think that there were some pretty obvious mental mistakes when it came to decision making, whether it was in straight passing situations, RPOs, you know, that's the master of the offense, knowing what you're expected to do on each play, understanding it, anticipating the defense's response because you've mastered what you're supposed to be doing. So I think we can I think that's a fair place to start is a cleaner game. From Clifford, but that's hard for everyone to see. You know, if he hands the ball off, you assume he's supposed to hand the ball off, right? Like, you don't question the nature of, is that supposed to be a run play? That's a bit like kind of bending reality to football, football fans, because what happens is the result. You know it's supposed to be a run play because they handed the ball off. So, you know, but in an RPO situation, in a read option situation, does he keep the ball at the right time? I think he's been pretty poor about keeping the ball and giving the ball in those situations, Um, you know, decision-making on that particular situation. So those areas, cleaning those things up, maximizing the offense's opportunities on each play, whether or not the outcome of his passes or the outcome of the routes is good or bad, putting Penn State in the best situation by being right more often. And that's like 75, 80 percent right before and now 90, 95 percent, you know, maybe even 85 percent right before, you know, that higher percentage. But just that 10 percent can change the outcome of games. And they were close in a lot of games last year. That's a good
1: point. And if you folks listen to our segment with Coach Kaduti that we had on several weeks ago now, he did a film study where he saw and. Some of the plays, and by the way, go to the For the Bloggy YouTube site and you can see his video of it. There were some plays that were just obvious poor decisions by Sean Clifford. When you watch it, and as T. Frank brought up that segment, where yeah, he hands the ball off while well, the play didn't go very far. Meanwhile, he should have pulled it out. And a, speaking earlier of Tyler Warren, he's standing on one side of the field all by his lonesome, and uh, the ball didn't go to him. Those kind of decisions are very costly. Let's go to Dan in Pittsburgh who says, I've been reading the reports out of training camp practices. I'm wondering how much performance in a practice rep translates or predicts actual in-game performance. Are there traits or skills that you can identify from the practice rep that you know will translate?
2: Yes and no. You know, you want to take all these things with a grain of salt because you know you're seeing just the individual performances. But there are certain things that you can pick up. Like, you know, how a player moves is really important to me. Are they able to execute certain techniques because do they have... Do they have the ability to drive block? Like, do they have the mobility to come out of a stance, keep their pad level low, and hit a target and then lift it up? You know, like proper blocking. Do they have the physical ability to do that? And that's what they're practicing. They're practicing their routes. They're practicing their blocking. They're practicing their block destruction, fumbles, all those things. So if I see a guy that does not explode through his hips as a defensive lineman, who's kind of leaning on people or he's very stiff in his upper body, that gives me an indication of, OK, I know what he can't do now. So I know that he is not going to be able to X, Y and Z in a situation unless he improves that. That's why a player like Olaf I'm so excited about, because every time I see him do stuff like when I see him run blocking, I'm like, oh, that's exactly how that's supposed to look. And he's 6'6 and he's got long arms and he's in the position he's supposed to be. He's extending his arm. Like he's doing all of the technical things in his position to be able to do that. Now, when it's full speed, does he have the raw, unadulterated power to dominate people? That's the last piece of the puzzle. But from a technical standpoint, from a you know, footwork, all those things, that's why I have been so high on him because he just it all looks right. He's all he's doing it all right.
1: Very good. Uh let's go to Matt and Altoona who says T Frank, excluding recruiting, I feel that Penn State's coaching staff, including James Franklin, is subpar when it comes to scheming, preparation, and game day decisions and adjustments. Where do you rank Penn State's coaching staff among the
2: big ten? I don't know. I don't I don't I'm not an expert on Pat Fitzgerald in in northwestern <laughs> they don't have as good of a team as penn state that's for sure uh i, I if Could, you're comparing me, them to a, like I, I don't know what to do with this this is let, another let, one of those let i don't me really know what to do with this question. question let me reshape sure. the question it's not a because, it's not a question it's a statement it's an opinion of <laughs> hey i don't like james franklin the coaching staff so tell me i'm right and it, uh, that's how it feels right so i don't I, really know what to do with that so let's reshape it because this is a common
1: criticism, and I hear this a lot from our listeners and fans in general. Sure, James Franklin can recruit, but, and the but is always, you know, game day decisions, uh, adjustments, preparation, yeah. X's yeah. and O's. And I think, especially, uh, coaches, I think, hate that assessment. It's like, sure, you could schmooze and recruit but you're not smart enough on game day, that type of criticism. Yeah. I, I'll shape it the question. Is it a fair criticism of James Franklin and his staff that they they don't make great decisions on game day or they do make too many mistakes or they don't make adjustments well enough?
2: I think it's a fair criticism, but I think we take what is maybe 10% of the situation and, and a very critical 10% and we blow it up to 95% of the job. Um, James Franklin's job is to create an architecture of which Penn State can succeed, right? So he sets the blueprint. He is the person designing everything. And I've said this time and time again, every single time I go back to those principles of what he believes in as far as the football tendencies, right? I agree with everything that he, he is about. And I think he's evolved and learned from his mistakes. Is he great on game day? No, he is not the best game day coach. But does that mean he is a worthless, needs-to-be-replaced coach? No. Also, obviously no. Penn State, other than the last two years, and if you can remove yourself from your recency bias, was on a 10-win streak. They were winning more games over those four years, being very good than most teams. Getting back to that is obviously the main goal this year. So, Can they do that? I think there is a similarity between 2019 where everyone said, just wait till 2020. That's really the year for this team. And they surprised you a year early. There is the possibility for that this year. There is that particular possibility, but the young talent is a little bit younger than it was in 2020. So that's, again, when I say the youth of this team needs to grow up pretty quickly to realize these goals. But and Matt, I'm coming out hot on this because I'm just, it's a question I don't have an answer to because I don't see it that way. And I understand that like you don't like James Franklin, and, and you're allowed to do that. But I also don't really have an opinion on those things because I'm not a fan. So I don't have these these opinions on these things. And I don't have a, a fair read on the football intellect of the 14 other head coaches. Is James Franklin an offensive mastermind? No. He is an architect. There's a difference. There's different types of ways to do this. And it's uh, it's less appreciated than if he were... Uh, Jeff Brom, who's obviously a great offensive coordinator. So, you know, I understand the game day stuff is a frustration because that's what you see. But when I am, you know, the the deeper and deeper I get into this stuff and the number of things that they have going on and the number of things they're ahead of everybody else on in terms of advanced scouting, camps, identifying talent, bringing them into the program, they're a very good staff. They're a very good staff.
1: T. Frank, I'm always fascinated by... I think it's a fair criticism to say Penn State has lost games that they shouldn't have lost. Yeah, Probably a statement you can make about most coaches, but you look to Indiana two years ago, Illinois last year, a couple of those Michigan State games, the Ohio State games where you're up two or three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and find a way to lose. But I also look at some coaches in the past who've had that criticism leveled on them. Dabo Sweeney was one of those at Clemson. In college basketball, Jay Wright had that. You know, he couldn't win in the tournament until he ends up winning a couple national championships. Yeah, there's your solution. Go, go, go win, <laughs> and, right. and pe- people fr- people will forget those things. Okay, here's one from an interesting one. You could take this a couple different ways, uh, T Frank. But Jimmy in Forest City sent us this question: T Frank, can we try a role reversal? What question would you like to ask the fans or listeners? For example, I'd like to get the fans' perspective on X. If
0: yeah. you could Let throw out a right question,
1: there. the fans will respond before your next segment. They may or may yeah. not, but okay, here's how many, the how many mats are out you.
2: there? How many mats are out there? <laughs> That's what I want. I That's suspect- really what I want to know. I want to know how many fans do, like, just are out on the Penn State coaching staff because we We interact with the with the passionate ones, the the ones that are here every week. And like I'm always aware of that that the that the people here that that feel that way about James Franklin are super passionate. They care deeply. They want Penn State to win, and they view this as an ultimate barrier. And like, I feel for you there. I don't agree with you, but I understand the frustration. And I guess I just want to know, like, is it a small minority that is very loud? Or what is the percentage of this Pensei fan base that is just fed up, right? That is the – the if there's one thing of trafficking on the internet, by the way, where my primary job is, like, social media, YouTube, those sort of places, like, how many of those people represent the actual demographic of Pensei fans that show up, like the team, go to the games, all that stuff? I just – I really need to know that because that gives me a better accurate understanding of of the people I'm talking to, Right. There's the challenge to our
1: listeners. Let's hear from you. Go to the app, ask T. Frank, let us know. How do you feel about James Franklin? How many of you are out there, like Matt from Altoona, want him gone, are disappointed in him? How many are James Franklin supporters? That is it for quarter number three. We'll name our winner in quarter number four. For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you
0: love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T E K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff
1: Show. It's quarter number four. We're going to continue with our season preview where I just shoot questions at T. Frank. We're also going to find out our winner. But first, want to remind you, it's time again for football and tailgating. No better way than at gopsurv.com. This is where you drive your vehicle to the Happy Valley. And guess what? An RV is set up and waiting for you for the entire weekend. And this year, Keystone Sports is teaming up with Go PSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game. And you'll get $500 off your RV for the weekend. All you need to do is call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. It's a great deal and always a fun time there at the gopsurv.com RV lot. All right, T Frank, we got to name a winner for quarter number three. What direction are you going?
2: You know, I think we're going to go Dan in Pittsburgh. I thought he asked a good question about like what, what's valuable from practice and to the point of some of it you shouldn't take too much stock in. So I think that was a, a very well balanced question. I do got to say, you know, Matt in Altoona's question about James Franklin, we get this, and, and we kind of, I talked about it with Jimmy in Four City, and like, what do you want to know? Like, when it comes to these questions about James Franklin and how good he is or isn't, it is just such a, it's such a sticky particular conversation about the part of his game that is clearly not at the level everyone wants it to be, and the other things, the, the, the 75% that people don't see. And it's just when it when those questions come up, first off, I get them all the time. I'm a little fatigued by them. Secondly, I don't I still at this point don't have a good answer for you. So I had a strong reaction to that one because <laughs> it, it it hits a lot of different areas. You know what I mean? And we do hear this. And you and I were talking about this off the air.
1: And full disclosure, I, I'm i a fan of James Franklin. Doesn't mean I can't be critical of him. It doesn't mean he hasn't made mistakes. He has, but if you were to see any other coach uh, perform, you'd day to day the way we do with James Franklin, you would see their issues. And it's interesting to me. I've always asked T. Frank those people who said, "Not James Franklin. We need another coach in here." Well, who? Who do you want? And when this talk came up, I heard Matt Rule's name so often. Yeah, and and again, Matt Rule might be fantastic, but what's he doing with the Carolina Pat- Panthers now over the last couple of years? Yeah. Certainly not building his resume.
2: Well, I, I made the I made the comment earlier. He hasn't been in one place long enough to really hit a rough patch. You know, he and to his point, to, to his credit, Matt Rule has built every program he's gone to, but he has never won anything at the level that Penn State fans want to win at you know he has been good he has always been on the rise but he's never arrived anywhere and we're seeing kind of the adversity in the NFL which is entirely different than college but it's just kind of the point of perception and reality are always so opaque you don't really you don't really know for certain too many things in life and when you think you know a lot of things for certain I could probably point you to some evidence that I would hope would open your eyes a little bit.
1: And the factor is with coaching that one successful season, a coach may have, how do you parlay that into a bigger job, better paying (laughs) job? Yeah. Some coaches are very good at doing that. And you haven't, as you said, seen the ups and downs because they haven't been at the same job long enough. And that happens all over the place. I think if we took a few minutes, we could name a lot of names, who've been of coaches who've been on that course t frank but that is not what we are here for that that's a show for another day let's get back to talking about the nittany lines coming up in the 22 season don't worry i'm going to put a gun to t frank's head and i'm going to make him (laughs) predict a record for the season we will get to that but i still have a couple more questions for you t frank and I asked what you were most concerned about with the team. I want to ask you now, which unit of the team are you
2: most confident in? Uh, what Do you want individual position units or offense, defense? Position units. Uh, well, let's go with the receivers. I think that's a pretty easy answer because you've got two guys that are good for sure, and then you've got uh, three or four guys that can find out how good they are. And when you fold in the tight ends, I just I think this this receiving unit has a chance to be better and deeper than previous years. Um, I'll give you on the defensive side of the ball, too, because it it would be unfair and incorrect for me to not mention the defensive backs. Also, a unit that can be borderline superstar elite like they could be very, very, very good this year. They've got four deep at corner, four deep at safety they're they're hurting to get more of these guys on the field because there's just not enough places for all this talent. Uh, so I, I like that defensive back unit, too. T.
1: Frank, that seems to be coming a a strength for the Penn State team every year, the DBs. Um, give me your impression of the coaches back there, the DB coaches. How much of yeah. this credit should go to them?
2: Well, you need to have the talent to do these things and Terry Smith's ability to get talent so far, you know, Kalen King, Joey Porter jr. Getting Marquise, uh, Wilson also getting, uh, Johnny Dixon in the transfer portal, getting talent to come to your university is the first step and getting that talent to play to that level. Um, I think there's still some room to go with the corners. There's still some room to go. And I'm, I'm interested to see how this system can help those players get their hands on the football, which changes the trajectory of your career as a defensive back. So Joey Porter Jr., that's kind of the last step for him. He's good at everything. He's good at shadow. He's he's good at off-zone coverage. He can stay in the hip pocket of players. He just needs to make some plays on the football. Kalen King, I'd say the same thing. Um, and then Anthony Poindexter, I, just, I get a chance to watch him coach uh, this summer a little bit and just kind of quietly observe. And I just am impressed with his ability to communicate and to show players what's necessary to succeed at the position. It's interesting. It's an illuminating experience. I really enjoyed it. I've been very impressed with him. Part of what is impressive about uh, Anthony Poindexter is the fact that he had Jaquan Brisker and Tig Brown. Like It is easy to look good when your defensive backs perform really well. They're very talented. So is he going to be able to consistently replicate great play I think he can. He has a track record of getting elite athletes to come to his universities and to play very well. So I, I, I think that it's a huge part of it, but the talent has to be the talent.
1: And you and I were talking about this off the air about, you know, the question that we got in quarter number three, outside of recruiting, well, that's probably the most important aspect of coaching, talent acquisition.
2: Yeah, especially when you've got to do both. You've got to – in college, you've got to do both. You can't just be a coach. You've got to do both. So, yeah, they've got a staff that does both well.
1: Exactly. It's so critical. Okay, uh, speaking of critical, we're going to start looking at the schedule now, T. Frank. And what I want you to do is pick out the game that you consider the most critical game of the season. And let me explain a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know what Michigan State's going to be for that very last game. And by the way, the last game of the year is not going to affect you later in the season because it's the end of the season. Yeah. Ohio State is obviously the best team on the schedule. And I don't think a loss to Ohio State affects the rest of the season. I think this fan base, this team would gladly take an 11-1 season where they lost to Ohio State. That won't change Mm -hmm. the course of the season. Which game is it that you think it's a toss-up game, they may win, they may lose and it may also affect just the psyche of the team. What's that one game you could point at on the schedule?
2: So I, I caught this part of the show on uh, Monday and uh, the the answer is Purdue, but it's it's the first game of the season for every team, not just that it's Purdue, because college football is a microwave. It is a nuclear reactor. You there, there's you have no room for error. You have to win all these games. So you lose your first game of the season and already the train's off the tracks, like this metaphor, going from microwave to nuclear power. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but that one was taken, um, and I don't know that Purdue necessarily is the most important game of the year because I do feel pretty confident Penn State's going to win that game. To me, I'm looking at the, where's the meat grinder on the schedule? Where is that three to four game stretch that Penn State has a brutal... Uh, a count of games that they got to get through. And to me, I've, I've looked at this all year. It's Minnesota. It's the whiteout game. It's sandwiched between Michigan and Ohio State. I don't think of it as a trap game. I just think of it as if they win at Michigan, they're going into that Minnesota game. It's a whiteout game. It's going to be a fever pitch knowing what's coming next week. And if they win at Michigan, that's the biggest game of the year because they won at Michigan. But this middle game is always so important to Penn State. And I think it, it's coming at a right time with it's not a noon game. It's not right before Ohio State. It's the whiteout. I, I believe it's homecoming, right? So that's a huge game. That is, And it's set up perfectly for Penn State to knock it out of the park. And then they can, you know, avoid going 0-3 in that situation. Or they can go 2-1. Or they can set themselves up to sweep the meat grinder of the schedule. But that Minnesota game, everything's going to turn on that because... You can save your season with that game if you lose at Michigan and versus Ohio State, or you can set yourself up for something special if you win the first two going into that noon big noon kick.
1: Very good. In about the minute and a half, we have left two questions to finish us off, T. Frank. Prediction record for the season and a KSN tradition. I need a bold prediction.
2: So start with a bold prediction, and I'm going to go with what I just said. They're going to win at Michigan, you know, something they cannot do regularly. They're going to win at Michigan this year. Uh, that's my bold prediction because I, I'm not high on Michigan's talent this year just because they lost so much and they had such a specific way they had to win last year that had not worked every other year except for last year. Can you got to prove to me you can replicate that? And when they do, then we'll have this conversation again. But I want to see I, I, I don't see the ability to do that year in and year out for any team to have that style and win that way. So that's my bold prediction. And because of that, I think this team can go 10-2. and Wow.
1: I'll tell you what, I think both of those are pretty bold. Uh, Beating Michigan at Michigan, as you said, that's not what they've been doing very often over the last few years. And getting back onto the double-digit win train would be a very big deal also. Yeah. T Frank, I'm always next...
2: high on that side. I'm <laughs> always way too high. I'm, I'm an optimistic person. So if they if they land at nine or eight wins, I'm not surprised either.
1: Very good. Tell you what, next time we get together, T Frank, we're going to be doing a game preview. How about that, Ooh, buddy? Let's do we it. Can't wait. But for right now, that's it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. With four different hoppy beers, the Hoppy Variety Pack is put together to easily please your whole crew. For daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T E K Results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.